from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, Time Crunched fans. If you're like me, you're probably even more time crunched these days because now you're watching four to six hours of the Tour de France every single day. <laughs> Sleep scores are low, right? Training volume's low, and uh, you're trying to figure out how to get it all in. Just kidding, but kind of seriously. I've got some athletes that um, are kind of in that same boat with me, but I got some athletes who watch the tour and, and um, just motivates them to, to ride a bunch more. So maybe your July volume has increased. If so, I hope that's the case. It's been a really exciting tour. Uh, I do love watching bike racing. So, um, you know, while everybody's been watching the tour, or even if you haven't, haven't, uh, you've also been pumping out the questions. My word. So many questions. I love it. It's like every day, uh, my inbox is filling up with these things. So, uh, I just have to do more, more episodes. I'm going to get to three of them today. And without any further ado, because we just need to rip into this and, try to knock this thing out in 30 minutes. And I got three questions to do. That's my Everest. So here we go. First question. I am a veteran mountain bike racer and find it difficult to get training right between consecutive race weekends. What type of training do you recommend in weeks between races, VO2 threshold, etc. Many thanks, Stefano. Yeah. So short answer, uh, make sure that you're recovered first before you go into the next race weekend. I know that sounds like so like simple and basic, but a lot of people get that wrong. So this is especially important for longer, like marathon mountain bike races or um, something off road like that. If you have multiple weekends in a row, it's really easy to just like go big on the weekend and then come in and feel like you need to do more training. Okay. But it's also, it's very applicable to, uh, cross country races, which are typically 90 minutes or so, um, maybe up to two hours in length, but here's kind of that short answer takeaway. If, if you train properly leading into a big block of racing, call it three or four weekends in a row, I'll take a hit on CTL in exchange for higher freshness on race weekends to come. So let's get into this a little bit more. The reason I say make sure that you're recovered first is because you have to consider the race itself to be a big training day or a big stress day. Consider that a hard training day in your week and, you know, probably even a touch more of training stress or just call it like life stress as well. A touch more stress because of all the emotional energy and logistics that go into it. So to get more detailed, let's make a few assumptions. Let's, let's say that you are racing a block of three, four weekends in a row with shorter cross country, uh, mountain bike races, which have a lot of threshold and VO2 involved in it. And like I said, they're 90 minutes to two hours for most of these races. And let's say that you've been, um, you know, recovering well, you brace on Saturday, maybe you do some endurance on Sunday and then you recover well in between to take it to that next level. My answer to you, Stefano is 
your training in between should be, you should be training similar energy systems or a similar focus that you did in the previous block of training. The reason for that is it'll, it'll keep some similar training stresses into the body, meaning you're not adding anything new, but you'll keep the dose response adaptation occurring. Okay. But you, you want to reduce time at intensity and pretty much like overall volume to ensure freshness for that weekend race. So it's a little bit like a taper, but maybe more. Here's an example. And because you're veteran, um, racer, you or you've been racing for a while, you know, let's just call it eight ish hours of training Monday, rest day, Tuesday, endurance of 60 to 90 minutes, just riding on the road Wednesday. Here's the workout six by two minutes at VO two power, which is 106 to 121% of your FTP with two minute recovery in between. So really hard interval should feel like a nine out of 10 and you have a very short recovery, two minutes. I chose six by two because that is a prescription that is less than what I would give to somebody in, um, in like a VO two power training focus phase and maybe give like eight by two or 10 by two. So start with six by two and that should be a 90 minute training session. Thursday, you know, if that goes well and sleeping's good and all that kind of stuff, I'd ride the mountain bike. I get on some technical terrain, something that's like fun, punchy, not too outside of your normal Friday's easy recovery ride, 60 minutes, or you can take a complete rest day Saturday, race it Sunday, get some endurance in. That would be, that would be a pretty good week of, uh, managing freshness for that Saturday race while still keeping some training impulse in the legs. So just kind of a, a quick summary on that one. It's completely appropriate to simply just ride endurance and maybe some technical terrain, uh, between race weekends to stay fresh for that Saturday race. And if that means that you drop some CTL in exchange for freshness and performance for Saturday, heck yeah, thumbs up to that. Question number two, running as an option, good or bad bang for the buck. I'm, uh, uh, I'm training for multiple hundred to 125 mile gravel races between July and October. You know, the story, Adam, <laughs> full-time plus job, family, etc. Is trail running a good supplement or addition to training plan for cycling based in endurance events? My Garmin always indicates that a good training effect is often proven quick and an easier option during the week with running. If so, should I incorporate it into a plan, use base or tempo? How often pros cons for this uh, podcast is superb. Oh, thanks. Thanks, James. Um, yes, I use running as a training modality for time crunch cyclists. I would advise this though. I would advise this to anybody who has a running background or they're doing off-road events, ultra cycling stuff where medium pacing kind of all day is the name of the game. Or if somebody's looking to do diversify their training again, because they're time crushed. So yeah, James running is a good bang for the buck when it comes to aerobic training. I'll say that with a caveat though, like cycling is not a bad bang for the buck when it comes down to it. But oftentimes we have other uh, constraints or, or limitations with, with riding, uh, just getting everything together, right? Riding out, if you live in a metropolitan area, getting out of the traffic so you can actually do your workout, this kind of thing. Whereas running, you're out the door and you're, you're already, you're already going, right? 
So a lot of people think of, uh, running as a better bang for the buck in cycling. However, I would, I would challenge that thought, but it is a good bang for buck and it is a good way to do training. So the way I would incorporate running into a cycling program like this is to start early, right? Start early in base, right? Especially if you're, if you're not really a runner, if you haven't ran in, in quite some time. So that base uh, period I consider to be November, December, maybe January for most, but that's like when I think a lot of people are starting to ramp up like motivationally, you know, in January, but November, December, start working it in. And I would aim for at least two running days per week, maybe three, if you, if you have a little bit more background and start where you're at, could be anything, could be a 10 minute run, right? could be 15 minutes, could be run walks where you run for five minutes, walk for a minute, uh, repeat three times. Okay. Just start where you're at build up to 45 to 60 minutes, maybe, um, for a complete duration and build that over like three months. Okay. I'm not saying build up in, in a couple of weeks, progressively build up. And, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say go over 60 minutes for a training session because as a cross training modality for cyclists who have the primary volume of their training coming on the bike, once, once you get over that 60 minute mark, I tend to find in my practice that biomechanics start to decay, you'll start to increase the risk of injury and that bang for buck is no longer there. Okay. So I don't think you need to go over 60 minutes of training, but if, if I can, if I can get high quality, 45 minute runs, that's great. And again, two to three times a week and keep that in, keep that in year round. Don't just do it in November and December and all that kind of stuff. If you want this as a, as a way to increase CTL fitness and some of those biomechanics for, for, uh, uh, time on your feet, this is, this is an effective way to do it, but it has to be in year round. So I do use this for athletes who travel quite a bit, live in areas, like I said, like in a city metropolitan area, or maybe they just, you know, they don't want to ride inside. You know, some people don't want to do that. So if they're time crunched, uh, um, going out for a quick run, great way to do it. Also, here's the other thing I see value in this for a lot of people doing, um, like ultra events with hike bike sections, like ultra mountain bike stuff this year's unbound, which everybody keeps talking about at mile 10, right? Um, where you have to push your bike for a long period. If you're not, if you're not training the hike a bike, if you're not training some feet time, okay. Running, hiking up hills, this kind of stuff that can really, uh, be a new stressor on race day and not a good thing. It'll cause cramps. It'll jack your heart rate up. It'll cause more fatigue. So, uh, yeah, um, great question, James. And, and yes, I do use it. Um, meanwhile, how to use it pretty simple, just run. Okay. So, uh, just start running. I don't prescribe intervals for a cyclist whose primary goal is to have performance on their bike. I just use this as an aerobic training day. Like I said, start in that base build phase, um, two days a week, build up to sessions in that 45 to 60 minutes, everything. Like I said, and the primary thing is like, you want to treat it as, as a endurance day, but not a hard day and not an easy day. I think a lot of people who do this, they consider it recovery days and, and it's not, it has a lot more impact and muscle loading that a recovery ride does not. So this, that's the tricky one of, of implementing into this, into your training. Okay. You have to consider it as an aerobic endurance day, not recovery. 
that then you structure everything else around it. I think if you have, you know, six months of, um, two to three days per week of running built up in your system, absolutely. You can do intervals, uh, that, you know, days in between your runs and it's not going to affect you too much. So you don't have to worry about that, but it's not a recovery session. Okay. So please, please hear me on that. Finally, for crit racers, road racers, and cyclists with high-end power performance goals, I don't advise running year-round <laughs> or, or intermittent running is probably even worse. Uh, if you have some run background in your history and you love running, you want to do it, cool. It's going to take less out of you. But what I tend to find is, especially for those people who just kind of like start running a little bit, zaps the leg, it zaps the legs pretty good. You can have a whole podcast on that. Not going to go there right now, but not the most effective for performance outcomes when you have really high-end performance goals uh, with, with power outputs and power for repeatability. All right, we're doing good on timing. So on to number three. I enjoyed you, Adam, and Madison's post-BWR North Carolina Epic Event Podcast. I've done that event and I could relate to many of your comments and even visualize them. The technical part killed my time and I didn't make the time cut for the reloop on the last section, so I had to DNF. One thing that I was a little surprised wasn't included in the what can't be measured part of the podcast is bike upper body work. With North Carolina and this year's Unbound Hike a Bike, there it is, we're talking about it again, uh, is one thing that shows up too. So what, if anything, to do about the upper body work as prep for the ultra epic off-road events and potential hike a bike sections is my question. Great question, Steve. And that's, that's, that's a mouthful. My short answer is many cyclists that are doing some of these off, these ultra off-road stuff, they get beat up in those technical sections. And they come away with sore shoulders, sore hands, and they think, I need more upper body work. I need to get to the gym and just like get swole. <laughs> However, that's not the most effective way to train for this. My opinion and my experience and my, in my practice, if the technical stuff beats you up, go ride technical stuff. And it doesn't have to be more complex than that. Go train on the rocks and roots and single tracks, ride your bike, ride your gravel bike, ride your mountain bike, or ride both, whatever, whatever bike you have, go ride more technical stuff than, than you're uh, used to. Okay. Challenge yourself and call this a hard day on the bike. Even if the TSS reports lower on that day, because we all know, and I've covered it on the podcast before is TSS does a very good job at measuring aerobic stress on the given day but it doesn't take into account as well all these other peripheral stresses that are coming into the system. And it's not a good way to measure strength training sessions. So when we're, when we're thinking about what stresses a muscle, right? Like those technical sections and having to really like move your momentum and, and carry momentum through single track and over roots and rocks and get off your bike and push it and then back on and go. It's a pretty stressful way of bike racing. <laughs> Right. But the, the, the total, um, uh, the way that TSS measures it, you know, it, it may be lower on that day, but you got to, in your training session, you got to consider that a little harder. And when you're setting up your training program, um, consider that when you're putting in your intervals and things like this. But in my opinion, this, this is the best way to train full body as well as upper body 
in the bike specific way that you're talking about here, Steve, at these off-road events that throw in (laughs) the kitchen sink to whatever they're trying to challenge you with. Now I mentioned strength training. Yeah, do that too. Uh, full body, not just core, not just upper body. I would do it two days a week, three. If you got the time, I've done podcasts on that as well. Um, go back, look for podcasts with, um, Aaron Carson and my colleague, Sarah from CTS. Um, we co- we cover a lot of stuff, uh, and strength training there. Okay. And that, that'll make your muscles strong. That'll keep your core strong to, to handle more technical off-road sections in training. But if you want the best preparation, ride technical stuff on your bike that you're going to be racing for these events, and that's going to be the best way to train for the ultra endurance, what is coming next sort of race. All right. To bring this thing home and in summary, in these three questions, uh, yeah, make sure that you're fully recovered between races before you consider more training in your training program. Next, run training is a good option for longer ultra distance cyclists because it's aerobic training in nature and it could have some specificity going into uh, the event. If you need to hike a bike, move through some stuff, uh, you know, climb over that mountain, having some run training and time on feet is a very effective way to train. And then finally, the best training for technical off-road sections is to train in technical off-road sections. If you can do some strength work too, do it, but don't overlook the simplicity of specificity of training. All right. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or if you think, you know, this format really resonates with you, send the questions over to me at trainright.com backslash podcast and click on ask a training question. I look forward to answering those in the weeks to come and after the tour. And you know what? I'll probably be answering some of those during the Tour de France Femmes avec Zwift, which starts this weekend. I'll have athletes racing there. So I'll be watching as well. I uh, really encourage everyone listening here to check out that bike race. It's it's going to be amazing. So thanks for tuning in today, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.